What's up, you guys? I am Micah Folsom, and you're listening to the Do Your Crap Podcast. I was overwhelmed, uninspired, and unfulfilled, and I knew there had to be a different way to do life. Turns out, there totally is. And I found my calling in helping people learn and do the unsexy habits that build a legendary life. Each and every week, I'm going to help you bust through the crap that's holding you back and break down the simple habits and mindset shifts that will help you rock every aspect of your life. Are you ready to do the things that most people won't so that you can live the life that most people can't? Here we go. Welcome back to the Do Your Crap Podcast. This is your host, Micah Folsom, and we have a really amazing guest with us today. We've got Dr. Elisa Hollerman, who's a PhD, JD, and she is the founder of Recovery Management Agency, which is the first agency devoted to helping addicts heal their addictions by reawakening their souls after pivoting from her career as a Hollywood agent and changing the course of her own life. Sobriety is her book that is just about to launch and it tackles issues of overcoming addiction to going back to school in your forties and through storytelling weaves in a comprehensive information about substance abuse, mental illness, eating disorders, grief, suicide, and many other current and important topics. She is a wealth of knowledge, has so much experience, and I'm so excited to dig into this thing that she calls the soul journey. And it's really powerful. And I'm so excited for you guys to be here for this conversation. I don't want you to tune this out. Even if you're like, well, I'm not an addict. So this episode won't be for me. It will be beneficial. I can promise you that. So let's turn it over to the conversation. All right, Elisa, I am so excited. We are chatting a little bit before this, and this is going to be so good. This is so good. So before we get into the meat of everything and the whole soul journey and the things that are going to literally be a game changer for our listeners today. How did you find yourself here? What got you here? Tell us more about your story. Um, I'm just so excited to be here and to meet you because I've been watching all of your podcasts and your material. And I just feel like we have a soul connection that's going to come out of all of this. So I think it's going to be, yeah, I think, I think we're really on point here. So um, excited. Mm-hmm. So basically, I would say my journey, for me, a big part of my journey was getting sober. But sobriety is not at all about um, having an addiction or getting sober. It really came as a what's next kind of modality for when um after I had some time and I was really conscious again about what was going on in my life. So for me, it was that phase of my life. But um, basically what happened was I was working as a young talent agent in the entertainment industry. Um, I'd come out to Los Angeles in 1996 after being a lawyer for a little bit in New York City. I was unhappy with being a lawyer. I was unhappy with my boyfriend that I was living with. I was unhappy living in the city. My parents were going through a difficult divorce and my sister and I decided to move to LA. So 
we did that. And really, this is pre-internet, so I didn't know anything about the entertainment industry or what it was about or what a talent agent even did. But a friend of a friend got me an interview and I walked in and it felt very alive and very exciting. And I also felt that I could use my my law degree in a way that um, it didn't feel like I was throwing that away, yeah. that I would be negotiating and I would still be using that education, which I really which I really liked. Um, and then what happened was I suffered a trauma and not that I wasn't already drinking pretty alcoholically through college and afterwards, but that trauma kicked off my drug addiction. I was self-medicating. I was suffering from PTSD and there were not a lot of people talking about trauma 20 years ago. Yeah. And so what, what es- so my drug addiction escalated when I finally got sober in 2002, I was already a baby agent at United Talent Agency. My career took off from there. I was representing some of Hollywood's biggest comedians and putting together a lot of comedy movies um, that I'm sure a lot of listeners have seen. And as my clients were gaining more success, so was I. And I found myself wearing what I like to refer to as a mask, Mm. where I was not connected with my authentic self, that I had, for me, really treated the addiction to drugs and alcohol to an addiction of workaholism, ego, power, prestige. And these became the things I was addicted to. And I was still satiating that inner hole, if you will, with material external things. Because that is the way we get instant gratification. And that is um, the easiest way, right, to go about fulfilling something inside of us. Yeah. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. So basically now I'm Lisa Hallerman, the talent agent, and I believe it to be so. I start believing the mask that I'm wearing and I'm a bit bitchy and a bit of an ego and trying to fit into a bit of a male dominated profession. 
-hmm. working with all of my clients were males, basically. And I found myself sitting in big executive meetings with all males. Um, I was the running the talent department. I was a partner. And the more and more vulnerable I was becoming, the more and more I was masking up. And then something happened. I woke up on my fifth year of sobriety and just felt deeply unhappy and recognized that I had all these external things that I had thought I wanted or thought I needed in order to be happy and felt as if, well, I've done this. I've been sober for five years. I did what they said. And I got all this stuff and hit all the there there's and still I was feeling this way and even had this whisper and we'll get to that on the soul journey arc later, but started to hear this whisper of how am I getting out of this? I don't want to do this anymore, but that was just too big and, and with no direction, I was like, shush, shush, shush. Yeah turning away that whisper and didn't want to listen. So through a set of circumstances, I started to, when, as you do, when you don't listen to that whisper, that soul whisper, it starts screaming a little bit louder until a brick house falls on your head. And then you're forced into, okay, what is happening right now? So that's what happened. And still I was... I'm not sure. Maybe it's the agency. I'll leave and go to a different agency. Maybe it's LA. I'll move to New York and I'll do the job there. Just never wanting to look at the deep question of, do I even want to do this anymore? Yeah. And that took some time. As I began to feel really disenchanted with my job, I recognized that I need to go on a soul searching. And I didn't even really know what that meant. I had no language for soul. Um, I had no language for any of that. So I went on a little vacation and took a boatload of books with me and started reading everything I could about business, about success, about failures, about soul searching. And one of the things that I had read, well, two of the things that I had read one of them suggested making a list of all the things that I ever wanted to do that I thought were interesting that lit me up. Another thing I had read about was in James Hillman's book, The Soul Code, was his acorn theory. And essentially the acorn theory is that an acorn has within it this ability to know that it's going to grow into this oak tree. Nothing tells it that it doesn't need any more information and it's automatically going to happen. And what Hillman believed was we as well are encoded in our soul with what we are meant to do. If we only listen, if we can only tap into that space and really listen to what soul is telling us. And that to me was a bit of a relief in, okay, so I'm not looking elsewhere. I just have to figure out how to tap into that. And 
So what I did was I made a list of all these things that I thought were interesting. And three of the things on the list were, I want to learn more about addiction. I come from a family of a lot of addiction and I want to be of service to women and I want to be an ER doctor. That seemed extreme, but I was like, <laughs> it's just, it, it, you know, it's just, we're just practicing here. We're just, we're just, we're just looking for things. So let's not rule anything out. Yeah, I love it. So when I came home, I started, what tiny little right actions could I take towards each of these things? So I started volunteering at a female sober living and I went on to see what classes I needed to take prerequisites in order to take the MCATs. Because again, it's just an exercise. Let's not rule anything out. So what I came across at UCLA was a drug and alcohol counseling certificate class. And right away, I was, this seems doable. It's two days a week from seven to 10 at night. It's a year and a half program. I'll start doing this. And the minute I got the class, and started learning about the disease of addiction or neuroscience in general or trauma, this new word that I didn't understand what it meant. I started to be lit up in a way that I hadn't been in the in, in the Hollywood business in, in a long yeah. time. Um, and I was fascinated and I was fascinated and I would pull the threads every time I would read a book, I would call the author every time I would read an article from a neuroscientist or a doctor, I would call and ask them to have lunch. I was still acting very agency, but now bringing it into this world. Yeah. I was still working as an agent and doing this at night. And by pulling the threads and by being curious, which I think is the biggest thing in finding your passion, I was able to start to feel like there might be something else I could possibly do. I didn't see myself being a counselor. I didn't see myself as a therapist, but I saw a business. I saw that people didn't know where to go in order to get the help that they needed. I recognized yeah. that people didn't know what they didn't know. And to me, that was very powerful. So I ended up and I don't want to give everything away because everyone should read the book, but I ended up leaving the entertainment industry and, um, and started a consulting business and quickly realized I didn't know enough to feel comfortable with that position. So I went back to school to get my master's and doctorate and had found a school called Pacifica Graduate Institute, which is up in Santa Barbara. And that school is a depth psychology program, D-E-P-T-H, depth psychology. And that program is oriented around the unconscious, mm -hmm. a belief that our unconscious and is very much, we need to make what's unknown known. And we also need to, in between our experiences, find meaning in those experiences that life is not about what happens to us but about the narrative that we create and so for my dissertation 
after three years of being in school and me recognizing how much depth psychology and soul work meant for me personally at this phase in my life. It was so profound to find. I remember people always saying, you need to do the work, you need to do the inner work. And I'm pretty intellectual. And I would say, where's the access? How do I get in? Who do I yeah. call to get inside and do the inner work? Where's yeah. the key? It just, none of that ever made sense to me yeah. about this inner work. Where do you start? And so depth psychology, archetypal psychology, and all that was oriented around the unconscious really led me to these gateways of tapping inward and understanding what soul meant. And so for my dissertation, I wrote, the question was, can doing soul work help sustain long-term recovery? And the answer was yes, but I also realized that people didn't have the language around mm. soul or psyche or the unconscious or consciousness or any of that. So while I noticed in the study that they had been doing soul work and that I could see it and quantify it, it wasn't as if they could do it whenever they wanted or that I could teach it. Yeah. And that's where sobriety was born from. And I just really started doing it on myself and my clients. And what happened was during lockdown, I was so overwhelmed with clients in not just addiction, but with depression and anxiety and suicidal ideation and so many young people and so many people suffering with, is this what I want? What am I doing? Right. We were all forced to stop yeah. and really all of those whispers were coming up. All those whispers that we had been shushing away were very loud for very many people. And I wanted a way to get this message out to more people. And that's when I started working on the book. I love this so much. There's so many things I want to unpack, but I also want to leave ample time to like dig into the actual soul journeys just so we can give them kind of a, mm -hmm. a glimpse into what that looks like. I wanted to ask you something first. You mentioned like just feeling disconnected to your inner self. You're like, I was getting all the accolades. I was hitting all the benchmarks. I was doing all the things externally. I think this is something that probably almost everyone can relate to in some capacity where you're like, okay, well, I'm actually living the life that I thought I wanted, that I thought I was supposed to, that I, you kind of box yourself into like, this is what I'm supposed to do. And then you, you do, you start to, you can start to have those whispers or like, maybe you should try this, or maybe you should do that. Or maybe that isn't right for you. And I just want to one applaud you for taking action on those whispers. Cause many, many, many people, like you said, just quiet them and then stay in their space of what they think they're supposed to be doing. And that to me is why so much of the world feels depressed and anxious mm -hmm. and exhausted and overwhelmed. And it's because we're so disconnected from who we actually are at the core and how we align our choices and our actions and how we live our life. It's like two, you can almost see two different people, like what they portray on 
social media and then how they actually are in real life. And sometimes you're like, how are you keeping up this facade? Like that would be exhausting. Right. And so I just love hearing your story and how liberating it's been for you to just truly, truly do the inner work and dig in and just figure out who you are and what you're about and how you can serve and how you can take the pain that you had been through and turn it into the purpose that you can give the world. I think that's so amazing. So how does someone, my question from all of that, how does someone who is like maybe feeling that discontent or feeling that like, oh man, well, maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not supposed to be doing this, or maybe I am supposed to be trying something else. What would you say to that person? Like, where do you go? Where do you, what would you do in that moment? That's a great question. I think one of the things that is important, what I struggled with is, is it a failure if I leave what I'm doing? Mm, That's huge. Yeah. You know, especially when your narrative is about success, 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 and you have this map laid out of what your life's supposed to look like. So I'll often say to someone, okay, let's throw out the script of what your life is supposed to look like, because apparently no one else in the room got the script. (laughs) Right. And let's just see what movie you're living in right now today. And let's just get clear on that. And then I really had to redefine success for me. I think that's huge and too. My, I really had to sit down and write what I thought success looked like and then how I was willing to redefine it. And the way that I redefine it now is based on achievements and personal achievements. For me, working in the entertainment industry in the beginning was very much about personal achievements and me participating with my clients and being creative. And I loved it. I loved that aspect of it and the creativity of working in the business. But after a while, it became about other people's success or what other people wanted of me. And that is what started to feel disconnecting. Yeah. So it was really about, I was, I no longer felt that sense of personal achievement. So I was now moving to something else to achieve something else in my life and to feel success for myself. And that's what the shift was for me and made it easier for me to walk away from essentially these golden handcuffs. But for Mm -hmm. anything, I think it's any job that you're doing to be able to say, okay, I've accomplished what I came to do. Is this something I need to do for the rest of my life? And I want to note that I was in, I want to recognize that I was really, I I was privileged enough to be able to make that change. That's not the case for everybody. What I did need to do was do both simultaneously. And I think that's the important thing. I needed to be curious over here while still maintaining my job. And I also needed to put in 150% into the job that I was currently doing in order to feel good about it. But this curiosity and pulling threads of things that were interesting and reading and asking questions and meeting people, that is what is so important about figuring out that next step. I love that so much. And 
it's interesting because everything you're saying, like I can relate to, but on the total opposite spectrum, like for, um, like I, my whole, I'm supposed to be is I just wanted to be a mom. Like I never wanted to work a day in my life. I was like, Nope. I went to college playing volleyball, got a degree just cause I could, cause my schooling was paid for, but I had zero plans of ever working. I'm like, I'm just going to be the housewife, support my husband and have lots of kids. And then I started having the, wow, like I'm, I'm really not being my best right now. I don't feel like, why am I feeling like a part of me is missing? I'm feeling empty in this, like what the heck? And then I had to go through that cycle of why am I feeling this way? And I had that guilt of like, am I doing it wrong? And da, 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 and like all of that stuff. But as I continued to kind of follow the curiosity and the heart tugs and well, maybe I, I could do this in a way that is right for me. Like, just cause I'm not seeing it being done. I'm not seeing this as the norm being mom and being a business owner and doing things you love and not feeling like that's taking away from your children. Like I had to go through this soul searching journey myself. And it's like, oh, it really is freeing when you finally just own what is best for you and take out all of the expectations that everyone else has for you or the expectations that you had on yourself of what your life should have looked like or was going to look like or whatever. Oh man. And as soon as I did that, and I kind of walked that path and allowed myself to be sloppy with it, like mess up and do things wrong and then be like, Oh gosh, yeah, I'm working too much. Oh gosh, I got to rein it in. Okay. How can I figure this out? How can I do it differently? How can I, you just figure it out and it's incredible. Exactly. Yeah. yeah that goes back to the acorn theory, right? Totally. All, I love that. It's when you can tap into soul. So for me, I define soul as the essence of who I am this meaning making machine. Yeah. Um, and this, this, this feeling of a felt sense of home, of peace, of certainty, of awe, of inspiration. There's no definition of soul because it's way past words. Yeah. It's a felt sense. And with a felt sense, you need to use different language of imagery and metaphor in order to explain that. So the book is written in story form to enunciate that exactly and to teach it and show it through storytelling and imagery. So just to bring it back to the soul journey at Pacifica Graduate Institute, they're home to all of Joseph Campbell's archives. Joseph Campbell wrote a book called The Man with a Thousand Faces. He was um, one of the most famous mythologists and came up with this concept of the hero's journey. Basically, that every great story, every myth, every myth has this arc of the hero's journey. And it comes from a very archetypal place. And that that journey is something we all have to go on. Mm -hmm. So the soul journey is my version of the hero's journey in what happens to us 
when we are going about our business, living this ordinary life, walking through, la la la, here's what I'm doing, picking up the kids, coming home, making dinner, going to work, watching Netflix, those sorts of things. And we hear these whispers, or you said heart tugs. I love that. I might steal that. <laughs> read it though. And we hear these whispers and we shush them because they're so big. They're mm-hmm. such big ideas, big asks of us. Do I love this person? Am I happy? Should I leave? Should I move across the country? Should I quit my job? Huge questions that we're not ready to even look at. But if we ignore them, we don't have to do anything about them, but pay attention to them. Yeah. Jot them down. Search, do a little searching about it. But if we turn away, they're just going to keep coming and coming. But if we decide to listen or when we're ready to listen, when that whisper might become a roar or something significant happens or there's a divorce or death or trauma and we're forced to sit still and we're forced into a quiet time where we are really forced to listen because soul will create soul sickness if you're not paying attention and that will manifest itself as anything if we're not paying attention, their soul's looking to be heard. And so if you decide to take the journey and follow that whisper, inevitably guides will show up for you in the form of other people who have maybe done something similar that give you the sense that "Hmm, maybe I can do it. She did it. He did it. Wow. That was, that was inspiring. Or you read a book And that ignites something within you. And then you decide, okay, I'm going to take a leap of faith. I'm going to jump a little bit, even though I don't know what it's going to look like. Taking a leap of faith, I always say, is about looking behind you and seeing when else in your life have you taken a leap of faith and it has worked out. Because essentially that's faith knowing Mm -hmm. that something will happen. The only way that you know and have a belief that something might go your way is if it has in the past. So we take a little reflection. We decide to take this leap of faith. What's going to happen? Well, we're going to go down a new path. And then I like to say that's when lions and tigers and bears show up. Oh, no. (laughs) Right? We hit speed bumps, brick walls. It's a little bit harder than we thought. It's challenging. We weren't expecting that. And, but we trudge through and we keep going. We don't get scared. We just keep going. And then we have a little accomplishment and we feel good about ourselves. And finally, we get through all that trudging and we get to the threshold. And we're at the threshold and we're like, this is it. I'm going to open that door and everything that I've worked so hard for is going to be right behind it on the other side. And we go in our pocket to take out the key to open the door and we realize we don't have the key. And so we just can't cross the threshold. And what happens is that's sort of the moment of truth. 
the moment of truth when something else happens, that big lesson at the end where we really have to go deep. Before it was just maybe a bit of a more of an exercise of trying to get there. And then it becomes about having to alchemize all that we've done so far and really be able to take all of that information and turn it into something new, turn ourselves into something new. And this is the transformation. This is the period of enlightenment. After this period of enlightenment and transformation, we have one more challenge ahead of us, but we know, we know we're so close. And after we walk through that, the 12th phase of the soul journey is about sharing your wisdom. And so for me, my last phase in this previous soul journey, and you'll go on many, it's not a one and done, was to share the book where I felt that my stories, although extremely personal and very vulnerable and some obviously related to my family, which was very difficult for everyone, although we're all very excited about it now. Um, It was very, I felt like they weren't my own anymore. I felt like these were stories that needed to be shared on a bigger platform so that other people could say, yeah, me too, and shine a light on these different topics. I love it. I love that you, is this graphic? Like, is this part of your book where you walk them through every single step? Yes. So this is part of the book and the graphic is on my Instagram page at the moment. Um, And then I'm adding it to the website with more of how do you do it? Awesome. That'll be coming but right now just the graphic itself yes is um is on the website and a friend of mine who i went to grad school with who's also a depth psychologist her name is nusa mal m a a l n u s a and she's the illustrator so what the way she does it is when you speak she is drawing everything that you're saying that's cool And then they become these illustrations. So she drew it in a way of the way that I was speaking it. And so that's what it ended up looking like. That's well, so for our listeners, like I'm looking at the graphic, (laughs) she's explaining it. And it was interesting because we kind of had a topic figured out that we were going to go into today. And then she sent me this and I was like, okay, hold on. We got to pivot and go into this because I love it. It's like, I, I love when visually you, it just like comes together. And when I saw this, I could literally like envision points of my life and experiences I've had and exact moments where I'm like, oh yeah, that was step six. Oh yeah. There's step nine. Like, and how you brought it all together is just so cool. And I think the, your book readers, I hope everyone goes and grabs her book. will be able to put themselves in that. And maybe if they've tried to, I think lots of people experience it and then run away, it's like coming. And then they're like, Nope, I'm going to fight it. Like I'm, I I know that I'm up against this right now, but instead of going through it and continuing on your soul journey, you turn it away 
and you step back into the comfort of what's normal and comfort of what you know and all of that. And then you stop that journey from happening. And I think this is the most important part of everything. It's like, like, like you mentioned, we've got multiple journeys to go through multiple soul journeys. It's not a one and done. And it's kind of our duty to go through these and to be willing to dig in to be willing to like really unpack some stuff in order to move through and to grow and to reach the point where you can share the wisdom. And I think that's just so we all have that opportunity to experience something and then to uplift someone else because you've been through what you've been through. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. I, one of the things that I like to say is inevitably everybody's going to grow up, but are you willing to grow down, Mm. grow down into the essence of who you are? And that's hard. Yeah. Not everyone's willing to. Not everyone's messy. To, not everyone's ready to. Yeah. Yeah. Granted, I did walk through it, but there were a lot of times when one could have said to me, now would be a good time to make that leap to the next phase. Time to go to two, time to go to two, time to go to two. And I didn't listen yeah. because it's very, very hard. We are hardwired not to feel comfortable in change. Yeah. For me, having the soul journey visual enables you to have clarity on where you are and what's ahead. Yeah. So it doesn't feel as scary and it doesn't feel as dark. Yeah. Part of doing the sobriety work on oneself is understanding that going through a dark night of the soul is essential in meaning making. And that is where we alchemize. That is where we transform. When we're experiencing suffering or loss or trauma or heartbreak, we're in a dark night of the soul. We didn't choose to be there. And it's not going away in an hour or a day. And essentially, that is what I refer to as soul loss, being disconnected from that essence of who you are and feeling fragmented. And it's almost like having pieces of yourself just right there on the kitchen floor and feeling like, how am I ever going to put this back together? And if I do, how long is it going to take? And then it's never going to look the same. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so powerful to think about because I think it's that just knowing, like, I love that acorn story that you shared, like just knowing that there's so many things bigger for you. Like just knowing that, not hoping that, not thinking that maybe it's possible for you, but just knowing that you're just this little acorn. And then you have so much potential to grow into that tree. Like and that, that, that it is happening. It is. And I think seeing the visual also, like, for instance, the lions, tigers, and bears, it's like, it's like, you set a goal, you draw the line in the sand, you decide you're going to do something inevitably life will throw you something and be like, really, you really want to do that? Like, let's, let's test you. But when you expect it and we're like, oh no, 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 this is what she said. Like, this is what they talked about. It's going to get hard for a sec. I'm like, I'm going to have to go through some stuff. I'm going to have to grow through this. 
instead of running away, you're more ready. You're more willing to do the hard. And I think that's so empowering for people to understand that process. Yeah, I hope so. I feel like this was the missing thing for me. It was so scary every step of the way. I had some language around it from grad school and while I was in it, but really being able to name it and look at it and see where I am, even though I wrote the book, even naming where I am now, it's, it's, you're right. Cause you're like, Oh, this is lions and tigers and bears. I got this. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. I'm going to get to this thing and this isn't going to happen. And while all of this doesn't happen perfectly, the imagery of understanding soul is really the only way to tap into this part of yourself. Yeah. It is about going inward and growing down there's a French philosopher named Henry Corbin who talks about the imaginal space. And he coined it the imaginal because imagination felt not real, fairy tale, childlike. And he wanted to be able to describe a place, the unconscious, where in the personal unconscious, our personal myths live are mm-hmm. complexes and in the collective unconscious where archetypes live that we all share an understanding of which is why the hero's journey is so profound because everyone in every language in every country understands the hero the villain the mother and movies that follow that hero's journey are are very powerful and end up being very successful. In fact, when George Lucas was working on Star Wars, he called Joseph Campbell to help him with the story arc. So it is a very powerful arc. And so this all made sense to me coming from such a creative career where storytelling was so important and imagery was so important and how to tap into that and understand that when words sometimes are not enough. I love it. I love that you've just been able to bring all of your wisdom and experience and expertise into like this, like this, this moment and this story in this book, like how cool is that? Like you delivered this because of everything that you've been through and the opportunities that you said yes to, and like all of those things. I think it's just so cool to see these things play out in people's lives. So, oh my heavens, Elisa, I loved having this conversation with you. I am so stoked to get your book and dig in and soak it all up and digest it in an even deeper way. Um, where can our listeners find you? I know your book is in pre-order while we're recording this. And it's yes. launching what day? December 6th? December right. 6th is pub date. And actually, if you pre-order now um, and then go on the Hachette website, but I've put the link in my Instagram. If you pre-order now and you show that you've pre-ordered, you can get chapter one nice. sent to you. I thought that was a nice little gift. That's awesome. Coming into the holidays and... You can pre-order it anywhere books are sold, Amazon, Target, anywhere. And 
my Instagram is Dr. Elisa Hallerman, but it's Dr. Elisa Hallerman. And you can find me there with lots of information. And my website is drhallerman.com. Awesome. You guys get connected with her. Go find her on Instagram. Share your nuggets. This is an episode that as I was reading through kind of her form and prepping for the show, I was like, I need everyone to listen to this. And I don't want them to turn it away. If they're like, oh, well, I don't struggle with addiction. This isn't for me. Like this is for everyone. And so I hope that you found out of it, what you needed in this moment of your life. And I hope that you share it with the people you love because understanding this stuff and going to get her book and reading through it and really digesting all of this will elevate your life in such a beautiful way. So Elisa, thank you. And the book is called (laughs) Soulbriety. Perfect. Yes. Perfect. And we'll make sure all of this is in the show notes and everything is. Thank you so, so much. It was such a pleasure talking to you. I would like to talk to you more offline. (laughs) Perfect. um, I'll let you go, but thank you again so much for having me. Of course. Thanks for being on you guys. We'll see you back here in another week. Bye. Bye. Hold on. This is John. So we are in a recording studio. We're, we're recording master quality audio. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.